When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike feels like he's capable of a little more than just trips to the convenience store. Oh, also, he wants to let you know that you can buy a gallon of ice cream instead of a pint every time. (laughs) Those are his words. So he said roughly like, blink the last wheel. It doesn't really translate, but the way he said it was super funny. (laughs) Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hi everyone, this is Brian Reisman, host of Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Be sure to keep up with the show on Facebook, Instagram, or through my Brian Reisman account on Twitter. Hi, this is Reese Fulber from Frontline Assembly. You're listening to Side Jams with Brian Reisman on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Singer and musician Gary Newman is the synth-pop and synth-rock pioneer who first came to prominence at the dawn of the 1980s with singles like I Die, You Die, We Are Glass, and the number one UK hits are Friends Electric and, of course, Cars. Since that time, he has been a prolific composer. His latest release, Intruder, is his 19th studio album and examines the climate change crisis from the point of view of Mother Earth herself. Like his previous album, Savage, Songs from a Broken World, it hit number two in the UK Top 10 and charted in multiple countries. Both releases serve up compellingly dark sonic tapestries that complement his diverse catalogue. Check out the tunes I Am Screaming and Saints and Liars for a good idea of what the intriguing intruder is like. When he has the chance to break away from making music, Gary loves to travel the globe with his wife Gemma and their three daughters Raven, Persia and Echo. For episode 52 of Jams, he shared his travel adventures along with tales of his flying days, including being an air display pilot, which you can catch a glimpse of in the vintage video for the song Warriors. Gary also talked about his interest in boating and his intermittent diversions into candle making. Along the way, we also discussed our philosophies of life, and he described how having Asperger's has been a benefit throughout his pioneering music career. This was my first time speaking with Gary, who made for a truly enlightening and entertaining interviewee. Well, I'm enjoying the new album. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny because I see a lot of interviews with you where you specifically talk about, you know, like you're, you're obviously you love making new music. You've been making a lot of new music over the years, you know, and everyone's like, let's go back to the 80s. I'm like, yeah, but there's a new album. And like your last <laughs> album, your last album hit number two in England. I mean, it's yeah. like, <laughs> which is great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, there's there's been times when it's been a bit frustrating, but I, I understand. Yeah, you know, I I understand the the legacy side of it. it. It's just you don't want it to 
dominate you know it's it's a it's a small part of a bigger conversation it is i'm a big proponent of listening to new music by veteran artists you know like i love the last billy idol record 10 years ago duran duran did a great album and the last album was good too but the last one was it was kind of like an updating of their 80s stuff but it was more mature lyrics better musicianship like people grow and evolve the last judas priest album i loved i mean it was just people that are still putting out music that's relevant and critics always discuss about relevancy. I'm like, well, you know, if you've got several hundred or several thousand people showing up at night to your shows, <laughs> it's relevant to somebody, yeah. you know? And I think in England and Europe too, there's, they embrace that more than I think in the States in some ways. I, do you know what? I've, I've often thought it's the opposite. I've, I've, I've often really? thought, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I've often found America to be far more um, willing to to enjoy it sort of which I've not I'm not actually a fan of you know but, but far yeah. more sort of willing to still be into people that have haven't done anything relevant for like 30 years and they're still going oh yeah yeah great and still go to the concerts and still just listen to those old songs and I've always and I've always thought that was more prevalent in in America than it is in Europe where it yeah, I've always thought of Britain as being much more sort of ruthlessly interested in the next new thing mm. and very quick to dispose of people that were there a little bit before. It's very difficult to longevity is more difficult in Britain. Not impossible, obviously, but more more difficult because they're they are so obsessed about finding the next new thing. You know, they tend to dismiss or dispose of previous sort of successes. You know, it's funny. I can't keep up. I was like, I, I cover everything. I do music, movies, TV, comic books, books, and I and my brain is always on overload. I mean, I, this past year, I spent a lot of time making money on Blu-ray commentaries for movies from like the '60s to the '90s, and then and I was like, oh my god, I have to catch up now with like streaming. I'm like, yep, that's not gonna happen. You you just have to. I you know, and even your music. I'm newer to your music. You know, in the '80s, I was a metal kid. Oh, really? So I listened to a lot of some of this stuff early, but then I was like, yeah, you know, I was into heavy. I was an honor student that loved really heavy rock. And and so in recent years, like the synthwave movement, for example, has now gotten me back into discovering things like your music. Then I, I knew that you had a lot of albums out. So now I'm enjoying, you know, I enjoyed uh, listening to Savage. And then conversely, I discovered Human League were like almost an industrial group before they became pop. I was like, oh, didn't know that. So like all of a sudden there's this history of music that expands, especially with streaming now people can more easily discover what's going on. Yeah. And I've noticed in your music, there's like, there's an Eastern influence going on. Like I listened to the, the last album. There's a couple of songs in the last album, you know, including my name is Drew and that have that Eastern vibe. And it, the new album opens up with that. I think with Betrayed, there's that same kind of vibe going on. I'm kind of curious yeah. where that comes from. It's, a, it's really just a fascination with Middle Eastern melodies are, are to a Western ear are, are unpredictable. Yes, and I never, I never really know where they're going. With a Western melody, you kind of got a good idea, you know, mm-hmm. even lyrically, where it's you know, a line will start, and you know, oh, think I know where this is going, and it does usually. You, you know, it usually, it usually ends up exactly where you think it's going to go. I like that. I like the unpredictability of or where it's going, and so I try to bring that element in into what I do. Quarter tones too, right? I mean, they <laughs> and there's that sli- where you slide just off the note and back again. That that sort of thing. And I love all that. I'm not particularly good at it, but I love all that sort of thing. And on Intruder, I uh, there's um, a musician called Gorkum Sen who, mm-hmm. who I was able to get on it, who's Turkish, uh, and he's invented this instrument called a yabaha, the only one of its kind in the world that I'm aware of. And really, 
Yeah, every time I see a photograph of it, it looks a bit different to the time before. So I think he's still working on it. You know, I think he's still adding bits to it. <laughs> is it is it, is it is it like what what does it sound like or what was it inspired by? Well, it has it's definitely got a Middle Eastern feel to it. To, but to look at it, it's a central stem with with strings. It's a string instrument, okay. Yeah, but not many. Um, and he plays it with finger or with bow, but connected to that, it appears to be a lot of like very long wobbly springs yeah which are connected to to different types of drums and the drums change depending on what he's doing yeah um so he'll be playing all this amazingly middle eastern sounding stuff it's beautiful he's fantastic at what he does and then he sort of leans forward and he hits one of these springs and there's this other (laughs) stuff happens you know whoa what is that you know so it's like a synthesizer but totally organic do you know what i mean it's it's, so it's, it's perfect for you because you're yeah, the, you, you do all the electronic stuff so. it's amazing <laughs> so it gave it gave me everything that i wanted you know it sounds that i'd never heard before but with a middle eastern sort of vibe running through the whole thing totally unique you know it, it took me a while to to convince him to play on the record because yeah. he's you know he's invented this thing this is his life it's his he's he's put his whole life into developing this instrument and he's really protective about it he doesn't want someone like me coming along getting him to play on the record then stealing all the sounds and making a sample cd and selling it you know <laughs> and, cutting, and cutting him out completely so I, I i i had to spend some considerable time you know reassuring him and and signing various bits of paper that i would not do that you know and i, I tried to explain <laughs> to him you know said no the you, you, you sort of try to understand that the reason I want you want it is because you are unique. You know, it totally defeats the object of that. If I then go and sell all those sounds and I'm not, you know, I don't have a history of stealing people's sounds and selling them. You know, everybody else samples your sounds instead. Yeah. Google me, <laughs> yeah, Google me and you'll find that I'm quite above board, but he was, he's lovely. He's, he's such a, he's such a lovely person, very gentle. And, um, he just needed some reassurance, you know, and I, I completely understand where he was coming from. So I gave him that. He played on three songs, first mm-hmm. three songs, actually, on the on the album. An amazing contribution, especially in the first song. He played on a song called The Gift. Yep. And, and that song really, we were re- really able to let the Yeba Heart kind of do its thing towards the end of the song. Um, in the first two, it's sort of more ethereal background, kind of just weird atmospheric noises. Essential, you know, they really do need to be there. But on the gift, he does like this solo at the end of it, and it's just beautiful. But when I first heard it, you know that you know so the, the, the hairs on your arms stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a bit bit of a nonsense for the most part, isn't it? But it did absolutely <laughs> did. Wow, look at that! You know, so it was a real moment for me, and it was it was amazing. I'm I'm really grateful and honoured to have him on it. It seems to be a continuation, a bit of the post-apocalyptic kind of vibe from the last album there's a couple some of the lyrics on here are like i am screaming in it and it breaks me again you know are interesting because they actually couldn't not only just relate to that kind of a world but they kind of relate to the modern world at this point especially after the pandemic we were just through yeah well intruder set in the now i mean that the album before savage was was um a post-climate apocalyptic future and it looked at the human condition really in in that what would people become in that world what would they need to become to survive and how would that affect them or would they be haunted by that would they realize that this was 
awful you know that humanity wasn't always like that you know that was yeah. what i was trying to do with savage uh this one is very very different it, it, although it still has climate change as its thing this yeah. one tries to give voice to the to the planet if the planet could speak or, or, or sing you know what would it say you, mm. you know how does it feel how would it express the way it feels now how does it feel about us and what we're doing to it um so that's the whole idea behind intruder so very much set in the now um not science fiction not looking at the future but how does the earth feel today you know about yeah. what we're going to and it all came from a poem my, my um youngest is called echo my youngest daughter is called yeah, echo yeah. and she wrote a poem about two years ago called earth uh when she was 11 and it's pretty much intruder you know it's the earth talking to the other planets in the solar system explaining to them why the earth is sad and all the horrible things that people have done to it and it was really lovely um and very sort of sensitive and sort of lots of empathy and oh, mm. oh I, was really, I was really proud of her but i shamelessly stole it and turned it into an <gasps> album <laughs> <laughs> stealing from your children I'm yeah sorry. yeah shameless <laughs> But I've given a, you know, I, I'm being honest. I'm fessing up to everybody. Um, and when you, when the, when the album comes out, you know, you open the gatefold, and her poem is there in full in it right. on 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 the artwork. So I even I even paid her for it the other day. Excellent. So uh, it's all above board. You know, nothing nothing underhand going on. But that's all covered. That's that, <laughs> yeah. That's where it came from. You know, it was it was because of my eleven year old and what and what she had done. For my podcaster, Sai James, and I talk a bit about music, and I talk about people's outside passions and their hobbies, uh -huh. you know. And yeah. I've obviously, I know one of the things that you're big on, even at least before the pandemic hit us, is that you're big on traveling. In fact, you just did a, I think you just did an interview with it was Soundsphere, where you mentioned that in a year and a half period, you guys had gone to 28 different countries, which yeah. probably explains the diversity in a lot of your music, for one thing. And you're interested in, say, for example, Arabic music. Mm -hmm. um have you always been like that is that something that came along once you're more successful in music and had the ability to travel uh it expanded uh with the music success but uh even before that i was lucky in that my um my dad used to work at british airways yeah yeah and so he got uh cheap flights mm -hmm. yeah, so we were able to travel into the europe um and beyond um fairly cheaply so we did you know we would go to cyprus and malta and spain all different sort of places through europe uh, and it was yeah. it was great you know and so i got to travel a fair bit as a as a kid but then when the when the music thing happened obviously that it, it opens up the entire world and it's it's just been amazing but my biggest interest outside of music was actually airplanes i was i was an air display pilot for about 12 15 years Used to before, do, you, before you really your family life kicked in um, well, I, I started to I started flying lessons when I was about 19, 18, mm -hmm. 19, I think, got my license. And then the success happened. So I had some money. So I bought my own airplane and got into that. Started my yeah. own airplane company at one point called Newman Air. Um, ah. Do you have any photos flight. of a plane with your logo on it? Still? Yeah, there? I do, actually. I do, somewhere. I, I, had, a, I had a few. Um then I flew. I flew around the world for an adventure in 1981. Got got arrested in India for, on suspicion of smuggling and spying. That was weird. Had loads of. Uh, very, how long was how long was that interrogation? Four days. They kept us for. In the oh place my god! Called, yeah, it was pretty heavy actually. Um, so you can withstand any music criticism at this point after dealing with that <laughs> for four days. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a weird one. Um, 
So they just had you in a room? They just kept you jailed somewhere? Well, it, it was really weird, actually. We were, we were, let's say, we were flying around the world. We were actually, mm-hmm. we've been in Madras, and we were flying from Madras. We went across India, up, up the east coast of India to an airway, and we were going to fly across the Indian Ocean to Thailand. Um, we flew under the airway so that if anything happened, we could communicate with the airliners and they could relay any emergency information that we might need to send them. Okay. So that was a reason for sort of this slightly dogleg route. Um, we got about 60, 70 miles out and the engine started to run really ragged. So that was scary. So we mm. turned back and got, got back to land and landed at a place called Visor Kapatnam on the East Coast. Um, luckily, m- managed to get it back before it quit altogether. And then it all started to get horribly wrong. And they were very suspicious about why we were there. Very suspicious about the fact that we had camera. Camera, you know, I, I couldn't quite understand that. Um, so I explained to them who I was. I said, Look, I'm, I'm a British musician and we're flying around the world. Uh, and they said, why? I said, well, for an adventure, you know, because I can really. You know, I just I've always wanted to do it. And he said, well, if you're a British celebrity, then where are your press cuttings? As if you carry them around with you, you know, as if you keep a little bag. <laughs> Jesus. Of, so I was going, oh, no, that's that's a bit mad, you know. And uh, to begin with, you get all very British about it, you know. Do you know? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> yeah. My pa- my passport says the might of the British Empire will come to my aid if I'm in need of it. You, you just be careful who you're talking to. Cool, they don't give a monkeys about any of that. And then he accused us of spying on this aeroplane that was parked at this airfield. Yeah. you know which is a thing called a britain norman islander that they make in britain on the isle of Wight. and the man i was flying with my you know the other pilot used to be a test pilot for britain norman so i was trying to explain to these the, the authorities he's probably flown that actual plane that you're telling us that we're we're spying on and it's just a little twin engine propeller plane you know who's going to spy on that it wasn't like some latest fast jet you know stealth technology yeah yeah, yeah. mickey mouse my airplane was bigger than this um it just and it just it went from silly to ridiculous and then it got a bit frightening because they started getting quite heavy and they put us up in this place where they kept us for four it wasn't wasn't a prison or a police station but it, it wasn't very nice and then they would come like two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, the door would come banging open and they would come flying in. All had guns. You know, why are you here? Why are you here? Took our passports off us. It was very horrible. It wasn't, at the time, it wasn't fun at all, you know. And, um, but it'll be in it, your autobiography. This, this, oh, yeah, no, this I did. It. A book book came out in October, so it's all in there. But it was, it was, um, it's a really, really interesting thing to sort of talk about now. I was absolutely not enjoying it at all when it was going on i was really glad to get away isn't it interesting how like you know western social society is so obsessed with celebrity and other cultures are like whatever mm-hmm. like they, they, it doesn't really matter to them which of course explains why we've had such crappy behavior during the pandemic where everyone's concerned <laughs> with themselves whereas like you know i mean look we look at asian culture and we a lot of us think of it as stoic and very conform especially in china which is communist but you still have you have japan you have south korea you have thailand all these other countries and their sense of respecting other people's boundaries has worked a lot better uh especially you know japan's having some problems again but still like a lot of these countries have taken a different approach where it's like here we want to do whatever we want whenever we want and it's actually not really how it works which ties into what you're talking about with your album being the from the perspective of of mother earth of the planet you know it's like yeah you guys think you can do whatever you want but there's a price to this which is what i think the pandemic is about mother nature to me is sending us a message and i'm not sure people are getting it 
You know, I think everyone wants to be normal, quote unquote, again, I don't think it's going to be normal completely again, because we don't know what's going to happen yet. No, there's a, there's a song on the album called the gift. I think it's the third song in, um, and that's specifically about COVID and it takes the argument that, you know, COVID could be a deliberate, not human made, but you know, nature if it, my my feelings were that if 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 the nature you near know, the earth or nature as a system yeah identifies human beings as a threat or as an infestation of some kind which we most certainly are there must be By a now, mechanism yeah. with you know there must be a mechanism within nature to deal with something like that and so i started to think that covid might be the earth fighting back that might be the first yeah. of many ever more refined attempts to cull us, even down to smaller numbers where we could be less damaging or to kill us all completely. Oh, yeah. the face here, because the earth would flourish without us being here. But then I started to think, maybe it's not the first. Maybe this, is, maybe this has been going on for 100 years. Maybe we've been at war with the planet for two, 300 years. You know, when did the earth realise that we were a problem? It might not be now. We are becoming well, at least a hundred years ago. It did. Yeah, industrial revolution. It probably all started from there. Yeah, you well. know, it seems to me that we are only now becoming aware of how dangerous we are and how much damage we're doing, and we're trying to convince enough people that we need to do something about it before it's too late. And we are running out of time. So these are, these are all. This is all true, but the Earth itself might have identified us as a problem a long time ago. So, you know, COVID might not be the first. It might be one of many that have been coming yeah, for quite a while. That's what I'm thinking of. You know, the, our ingenuity and our creativity and our intelligence enables us to keep coming up with drugs that fight these things and keep them at bay or whatever, yeah. that, as, as we're doing with COVID. So we are in this war, you know, and in another few years, there'll be another one, you know, and it'll be even more deadly and more sneaky and we'll have to fight that one. And, you know, it's, it's I've got, I'm, I'm starting another album very, very soon. I'm really, I was about to say, really, it sounds like another Gary Newman album. <laughs> yeah. I'm really beginning to think that that might be a good theme for it. You, you know, this, this, that we are at war with the planet and it's a war that yeah. we probably don't deserve to win. You know, it'd probably be best if we didn't. Not that I want to die. I want my kids to want to die. But, you know, if you're talking about the survival of the planet, then, you know, get rid of us and you really don't have much of a problem. The Starbucks pistachio latte will transport you to your happy place. The comforting flavor of pistachio, warm espresso and milk, all with a brown buttery topping. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike feels like he's capable of a little more than just trips to the convenience store. Oh, also, he wants to let you know that you can buy a gallon of ice cream instead of a pint every time. (laughs) Those are his words. So he said roughly like, blink the last wheel. It doesn't really translate, but the way he said it was super funny. (laughs) Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you've done a lot of traveling and you said you said it's important for your for your daughters to to experience the world. What have what how has it been for them? I mean, you've you've, you've traveled a lot. I mean, I, I think when I was a kid, I went to Spain, I went to Spain <laughs> on an exchange trip for three weeks. Uh, my parents took me to Nova Scotia and Quebec. Um, but we know we didn't. And we traveled around parts of the states. We had relatives in Illinois and Florida, but we didn't. You know, they tried to do as much as they could. But, you know, we're middle class and everything else. 
Yeah. They, they've seen a lot. How has it opened up their worldview and how has it changed your worldview even over time? It, it, it makes an enormous amount of difference to the way you see the world. Um, when you see it, you, you know, when you actually go there and experience it, it makes you far more tolerant and understanding. You, you, know, you realize that people all over the world are very much the same. You know, no matter what color, what culture, whatever they are, you're very much the same. We'll have the same fears and dislikes. We'll enjoy much the same things. Yeah. You'll dislike, you know, we feel pain the same. We feel pleasure the same. We're all much the same. And I think traveling is fantastic for really, really sort of putting that right in your face. You know, I've seen things. Um, I've seen awful things. You know, I've seen... When I was younger, my, my idea of rich and poor was based on British culture. You know, there was naturally, this is, yeah. This is poor, that's rich. And then you start to travel and you find out that that is nothing like poor. Poor can be so much worse than that. And, and so it, it broadens you as a human being and it, and, it, and it makes you so much more aware of the struggles and the difficulties and, you know, and sympathetic to the problems of other people. You know, you don't sit at home in your nice house watching your telly with your, you know, your two cars outside and your whatever, you know, and, and you, I think to be a truly decent human being, you need to be aware of what other people are going through. It's why I have so much sympathy for, you know, a, a asylum seekers and you know, people running from Syria and you know, places like that. You know, the, the things that oh, these yeah. people, the things that these people are going through, you know, most people in the States or Britain, you know, will, will never, ever come close to even touching anything like that. And there seems to be a scathing lack of sympathy, you know, for these people and what, and what, they, what they've gone through. And what should be a huge welcome, you know, sanctuary is, is not always. And it's, it's disappointing. Well, we're in a very big survivalist mode right now. And after the last administration we had, I mean, it's very clearly about, give me mine. It's different over here. We have a lot of creature comforts and people aren't willing to give up. I'm, I'm pretty simple. I mean, as a writer, and I know as you as a musician, the pandemic hasn't been great, but I've talked about this a lot with many guests. The fact, you know, we can hermit. I can go and I can be in my apartment for a week. I have, I can watch movies. I can write. I can create in the world. A lot of my friends like to be out more in the world. So it's been harder for them. Yeah, I think, but I kind of, I realize that there's things that we should, I, I complain more about the idiocy of other people than being quarantined. If we have to do this another six months to a year, that's what we're going to do. The last pandemic took a couple of years to go through the cycle and we're not out of this yet. And everyone's rushing out as if there's a big Hollywood ending. And we seem to like that. Um, you know, we really do. And it, and it doesn't quite work that way, but you know, on a more positive note, what's been the more, what's been the most magical experiences your kids have had traveling? A particular um, country, or an event, something that you thought was really great that you shared together? Well, pretty much all of it. Um, no, I we took them to Bora Bora once. Oh, really? um, I've never been there. I always hear about it. I'm like, what's it like? Oh, it's just, it's just stunning. You, you know, uh, we were flying in, um, and you could see out the windows. You, you, you look down, look down at the island. You have got this sort of volcano and the lagoon, and it's turquoise, and it's every Pacific Island sort of. Elvis Presley film you've ever seen you know just, <laughs> just it's amazing. all true <laughs> absolutely amazing and then you land there and you get out and it and they don't have cars that take you to where you need to go it's boats all these boats are lined up and you get on the boat that goes to your particular you know, you know 
hotel or whatever, and it's all you're out on the water, you know, everything goes out onto the water, the statue cottages, and it's just, ah, oh, it's just stunning. And I remember looking at the kids then, you know, and they were just absolutely blown away by this and experiencing it and taking it all in. And, and I was glad to see that they weren't taking it for granted. You know, okay. it wasn't just, oh, another, another place. You, you know, they were really, really interested and in looking at all the fish and, you know, just love, loving it. And I think it's things like that, you know. And, and other things, yeah, we was in um, uh, Prague. I love Prague. Once. What a great yeah. city. Are you, have you been to that church? It's all bones. I don't know if I did, actually. I, went to, I remember there's the black church, that big thing on the hill. No, it's not that one. It's... it's, it's um. I think oh, I, I missed it. I think it's outside the city, and I, I found yeah. out about it later. I was like, "No." Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a drive to get out to it, but we, okay. we went out to that, and you, you it's and it's just all bones. Everything <laughs> bones. You know, it's 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 a horror it's like, movie fan's dream. Yeah, it's like a miniature version of the catacombs in Paris. We went to the catacombs in Paris. You, you know, um, we went there, but the week after that, Bataclan terrorist attack oh yeah yeah we decided to go to france in some you know pathetic attempt to show support for the french people so we did that um went to the catacombs and we do alpha tower and you know do um i'll oh, just you know all over all over paris yeah. loved it and again you know the, the kids are just taking all this in so either through touring or through the traveling that we do with just as a family outside of touring you are constantly trying to expose them to as many cultures and people and languages as you possibly can yeah. and and i enjoy the fact that they love it and they're fascinated by it and they come back and they talk about it with their friends and they do projects at school and they talk about the places they've been to and you can see that they learned from it and they absorbed things from it and i think it will it will make them it will help them to have a much better more positive outlook on the world as a whole and to be less narrow in their thinking yeah uh, about certain issues uh, I, I don't uh, there's nothing bad uh, about experiencing the world if you can and i appreciate it's a luxury and i'm i'm in a fortunate position to be able to do that for them yeah, yeah. but nonetheless it's a good thing whether it's a luxury or not yeah i mean you've been a pilot you also like boats i mean you see the world in in different in different vehicles in different ways how does even being a pilot and even and boating how are those giving you different perspectives on, uh, on the landscapes around you well, I, I did a lot of flying. You know, I was, like I said, I was an air display pilot for a long time. You should do air shows all over Europe, mainly Britain, but all over Europe. Yeah. Uh, that was, was stunningly exciting. Um, really dangerous, though. Pretty much everyone I knew that did it was killed. Um, wow. I was, when I first started display flying in 83, 84, I think, I was in a team of six people. Um, called the Harvard Formation Team. One of those original six, four of them were killed in different crashes. Oh my God! The man that taught me aerobatics was killed. Um, every, pretty much everyone I knew, bar about three or four people that were doing it when I started, were were gone dead by the time I finished. Got out of display flying myself. And the reason I got out of it was because it, I started. It was like having a family. I was married. You, you know the way that you can sort of treat your life with a certain amount of um, lack of caution when you're single yeah and young and young you <laughs> yeah, know or middle-aged but you know when you're younger <laughs> you know and optimistic and you know somewhat arrogant about your skills as a pilot um you know when you get older that that changes you know my wife a really close friend of ours was killed in a, one of my teammates in another mm -hmm. team i was in he was killed 
And that really, really brought it home to Gemma, my, my, my wife, as yeah, to yeah. You know, the dangers of it. And so from that moment on, she didn't want me to do it. So that support from home that you need, you know, because it's a pretty self-indulgent thing to do every weekend, that sure. suddenly that vanished overnight. And, you know, if you love someone, you don't want them to be frightened all the time that every time you walk out the door, you're, you're not going to come back. So, you know, I took that on board. And then the children come along and, you know, they don't want to sit at an airfield every weekend watching dad disappear into the into the blue distance. You know, they want to be going to the beach or going to Disneyland, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, I, and I just wanted to be with them. So everything, everything sort of changed. And so I pulled out of it. Okay. Um, and then I, I found sort of normal conventional flying just, it sounds insulting, but a little bit boring compared to being an air display pilot, which is all sort of low level and high G and, dramatic you know well, that's exactly it i mean you've talked about i think in one interview we were talking about thinking of getting back to later on getting back to this is a few years ago i was talking about getting back to piloting or boating maybe when the kids are grown up yeah. but by the same token so you didn't you didn't consider these things to be relaxing you called it alternative pressure which i thought was yeah. interesting yeah well i think relaxing is overrated you know um... <laughs> for you yes you know it's relaxing is relaxing is not necessarily fun or exciting and you know pressure is not necessarily a bad thing you know it keeps you makes you feel like you're alive and you're doing something I'm, i've got a real problem with not living life to the full it's why i moved to america i know it sounds silly but it might sound silly but no. the weather the weather in britain is such that you know there's a 50 50 chance of any particular day midsummer or not it's going to rain and ruin everything that you plan to do for that day. Yeah, yeah. When I went past 50, that really started to be a problem for me. I thought, you know, I got so sick and tired of sitting indoors, looking out at this lovely, beautiful green scenery, you know, through the rain, looking at puddles filling up yet again. You know, it's got to be more to life than this. You know, just stuck indoors again, because you can't do anything or go anywhere. Good thing you didn't move to Seattle. <laughs> That's where we was going to go. First of all, um, ironically, that, yes, Sal was the first place, and then we we read about it. Oh no, I don't fancy <laughs> that. And I've been I've been there a few times, and every time I've been there, it's it's been raining. As I said, not true. Actually, I've been there a couple of times. It's not been raining, but yes, quite wet, isn't it? <laughs> I had to bring that so up. We, uh, but we both love Los Angeles, so we ended up so we ended up there. But it was really to do with that wanting you know to wake up wake up in the morning and be to be able to do what you're planned to do. You know, if you want our friends over for a barbecue, it will probably happen in Los Angeles because nothing's going to stop it. In Britain, you know, it's almost certainly not going to happen. And you just, I just got frustrated by that. And this paranoia about that I've got about getting old, you know, you know, getting sick maybe. And, you know, I just, I, I'm terrified of it. I'm not comfortable with getting old at all. Uh, and I want to try to live as much as much as I can in what time I've got left. Cause that's what I did before. Yeah. You know, I was living, living life, you know, and, and loving it all. And if it was a bit risky, that just seemed to add to the flavor of it to me. And so I, I mean, I miss the display flying. I really do. I mean, where I live, um, there's a team in an air, there's, we live really close to an airport, okay. a small airport. And there's a team there that fly the same airplanes that I used to fly do the same thing that I used to do. So it just rubs salt in every weekend. They come over and I go, oh, I used to do that. Yeah. And I, and I miss it all again. Hmm. But so, yeah, you know, <laughs> luckily, 
the career is doing so much better now. So musically, I'm really busy and I'm outside of a pandemic. I'm touring all the time. And so I kind of get in that sort of fulfilling life from that. But I, I miss I miss having a, an exciting hobby, to be truthful. So you were on the Graham Norton show it was like 15 years ago now. And I think you were talking about candle making. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really exciting that. Is that, is that still a thing or is that just a thing then? It's not much of a thing. Um, I still got my kit though. Still got my candle. Well, making what inspired? Kit. I'm curious. What because given all these other interests that you have, what got got you into candle making? Oh, I've no idea. I I do. I love it though. I don't do it often anymore. My, my kids want me to teach them actually. I, That's cool. I left. Yeah, no, it's cool. I'm, I'm quite happy to hand over my kit to the kids. It's, it's in good hands. I honestly don't know what, got it, but I, I get. I get some satisfaction out of making something that's useful, you know, that I can use. So if we have a power cut, I'm not no one prouder than me when I light my own candles up to to put some light on the scene. I feel really proud of it. I even got to put in sort of um, aromas in them. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not really rock and roll, is it? You know what? There's, look, I just interviewed somebody about golfing. I've interviewed people about a wide variety of things. I mean, I spend a lot of time indoors. I think once this pandemic is over, I'm going to try to get out a bit more. I've, you know, like I, I sort of have the, I have the vampire thing going on. I go to bed. I was with the bed at five in the morning you know, today and, and I oh, got up really? at about 10 because I was cranking on a story. And I, so it gets a little surreal for some people, you know, and I, 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 I'm very creative at midnight. My mind is just, it's just there. And as someone said to me years ago, it's insomnia. I'm like, it's not insomnia. I have a different body clock. And for me, coffee is proof that human beings did not want to get up early in the morning because <laughs> you know, they're always drinking a lot of it. I don't drink any of it. I mean, I kind of feel very ADD where I'm always, there's always something on my mind. I guess part of the reason the pandemic has been weird for me in the sense of not seeing friends, but sort of better or, or okay for me to handle is because uh, I always have something I want to watch, read, write. There's always something to be absorbing. So I feel like my attention is always split in a bunch of different ways. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, you're a parent on top of that. So your attention is split in many ways anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got, I've got three children, all, all teenagers now. So the oh, pandemic has been really difficult. Yeah, really, and I've seen them deal with it very well, very well, and then it just fell off a cliff, and it all just fell apart, sort of, yeah, just post post Christmas, really. So I've been really worried about them. So yeah, there's an added level of things to worry about compared to career and life in general. So, but you know, most people got kids, so we, we all go, we all go through it. I, I am very much always looking forward. I'm always thinking about what's coming and how I can shape it and what I can do to make it better for me and the family. And, you know, we're, be it creative things or you yeah. know where you live, you know, I'm very, my wife gets frustrated with me. She says, I'm a glass half empty kind of person. And I, I don't quite see it like that. And she, mm. the reason she says that is if a bit of good news comes in, you know, let's say, you know, you've got good, good chart position with the album or something like that. I'll go, Oh, great. And then within about 10 minutes, I'm sort of, yeah, but now what then? What next? And she would say, can't you even just spend the day enjoying the fact that you, you know, you're number two or whatever, you know, just give it a day. So, well, yeah, but you know, what comes next? You know, I've got, you know, there's a target now, you know, your brains off you go. So I don't see it as half empty. It's sort of half one step ahead. Because I'm already thinking about where I'm going. You know, it's just not empty. It's just already moved on. <laughs> um, that's kind of the way I'm, my brain works. 
you know, um, so yes, it is always busy because it's always thinking, trying to think ahead and spot problems. And that's because we're that's what we're used to doing. And when you and all artists have these lulls in their career, and so you certainly develop this. You know, there's a survival instinct that kicks in. Yeah, you had success early on, but you probably went through these peaks and valleys. I had the same thing with my career. I've had some years that have been great, and other years where it's not quite the same. And then you worry you, in the back of your mind, like, well, what do I do next? And then just artistically. I think true artists are never satisfied anyway. You'll always look back at something you did and go, oh, there's that flaw. Now, I call myself a pessimist with an optimist streak. It's sort of like I... <laughs> when, when the kids are grown up thinking of, you know, looking in the future, do you think it, is, is boating something, for example, you might go back to? No, my, my wife has banned me from having a boat. She says, you just rent one for an afternoon and you can just give it back. You know, it makes sense, actually. What she says makes a lot of sense. You know, why well, go through the hassle of owning these things and paying for the upkeep and worrying about them when the storm, you know, you know what I mean? All, all that. Uh, were, you were, just, you a, were you a speed demon on, on, yeah, on the waves? I'm not, it's no, no, it's not, no, actually it's not, <laughs> I, I, I'm not about anything. I, I, my fascination with machinery, which is huge, isn't about speed. It's about power, being able to control the power of these things. It just so happens that the byproduct of that often is speed but not always you know well, i had a boat in britain that used to chug along about eight miles an hour you know it's, it's crawling around the the sea but i loved it you know it's really loads of motors but just like a little ship it was it used to power itself i loved all that i got really obsessed about it i'm, I'm i've got asperger's so i i i get obsessed really easily yeah yeah <laughs> you know i get obsessed about things at the drop of a hat so got a boat Next thing I know, I've got about four or five different courses going on and qualifications for this, 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 and this, and this, and this, you know, because it's it become everything. Um, well, obviously, you, you, you talked about how your Asperger's is actually a benefit to you, too. Yeah, yeah, an absolute gift. I, I it, you know, if I could live my time again, I definitely wouldn't get rid of it. Is that, but, is yeah, that in it, terms of juggling projects, too, and all the different ideas that you have, absorbing information? Is, well, it must have a bearing on it, I'm sure. Certainly... It certainly colours the way you see the world. Well, well the way you react to the world is shaped by by Asperger's. Um, you know, they talk about people with Asperger's having obsessive tendencies, although that's a bad thing. You know, I don't see it as a bad thing. You know, in my business, it's a very, very useful thing to be obsessed about what your career, music and where you're going. You right, want right, right. that sort of devotion to it. But, you know, if <laughs> you... If, if you was in an aeroplane, you'd want your pilot to be obsessed about flying an aeroplane, wouldn't you? you you'd, that would be a good <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, that would be a good thing. Yeah, so it's, being obsessive isn't a bad thing. You know, it's just, it's sort of got a, got a bad press. Really. <laughs> um, I, I focus, sounds like a motivational you know, speaking tour coming up now about this. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah, the only, it gives you focus and I'm able to emotionally sort of wrap things up and push them to one side. So, you know, you know, I used to get a lot of bad reviews when I started. When the electronic music was was new, you know, there was a lot of hostility and resistance to it, and I kind of got the brunt of that because I was one of the first. People I remember, yeah. I think it. you were very nervous before your first top of the pops appearance too. Yeah, well, excited and nervous in equal measure. It was an amazing thing, but you know, you so you know that could have been for somebody else that could have been quite difficult. The amount of hostility that came sure. but for me i was able to just keep you know just we're going to wrap that up and just put that over there and move it to one side and just keep going you're, you're, you're going this way and all these emotions right. they're just getting in the way so we just move them to one side well that's a very useful thing to be able to do 
as other you know it has problems in other areas i'm i'm not particularly good in emotional situations i don't give the support that people need i don't feel things quite the same way i feel very very deeply you know but i don't feel in quite the same way and i don't express it in quite the same way and it's often misunderstood and it's often not what people need yeah and i i'm aware of that so i, I get very nervous if you know we, we just had one of our one of our cats died actually a few days ago oh, and i know sorry. that i'm oh it's okay how he or she 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 cat she how old how old is she don't know we've got about 12 oh my god yeah i've got a lot What's my your... wife is my wife's animal make four dogs still got some sheep in britain actually got seven or eight sheep <laughs> we, maybe we, maybe we she's go. getting your veterinarian's license that could be your next uh <laughs> your outside project <laughs> my next obsession yeah uh... so wow uh, yeah it's it's tough to lose a pet i mean even if you have many I mean, they all have their own personalities and yeah i, I, I feel it but my, my my wife really suffers really really suffers and i'm not good at knowing how to be with with that you know so and i'm aware of that i mean i know it's a failing of mine so i try my best to be supportive and do all the right things and say all the right things and you know give a cuddle when it's necessary but i know i'm not very good at it and it's not natural so there is a there is a price to pay for the the good things that come with asperger's you know my emotional way of dealing with things is very very useful a lot of the time when it comes to career and bad reviews and you know stuff like that but it's really unfortunate in in other areas then i'm not very good socially my social interaction um with people i don't know very very well is very awkward and clumsy and I'm, i'm again i'm aware of that and i can sometimes appear to be a bit arrogant or a bit aloof and it's not i'm not any of those things i just don't know what to say and you know it's awkward well yeah i know it's interesting with my job i feel like i've it's made me more of a conversationalist i think i was a lot more shy when i was young and i have younger friends who are like really you're shy. And I'm like, yeah, when I was younger, I didn't, I wasn't a group person. I I didn't like high school. I didn't like oral presentations. I kind of, I did my movie <laughs> making and I kept to myself and it, and I went to film school and then I had to start. And then once I did this gig and I sort of a career, I really created for myself. I had to learn. I mean, this is the mid nineties. This is really, I feel that that's still almost pre-internet. The internet was just starting to become a factor. So you'd have to go to a show and find a publicist. You'd they said, oh, I'm wearing a red jacket. And then you get, there's like five people wearing a red jacket, They're all women <laughs> or men. And you're like, Oh, and you had to learn to speak to people you didn't know. And so I've had to do that. But I do understand when you can get, you know, I've, I've tried to temper things. Like when I'm in a conversation, I can get intense something I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just going to make a light joke now and kind of pull it back. You know, some artists are like that. I know people who just get very passionate about what they do, but then you do have to socially occasionally pull back. Okay. I got to make a light joke now or <laughs> lighten the mood a little bit, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. It's, and I, but I understand also what you're saying about emotions. I mean, I, I feel like I'm an emotional person, but you know, my, my father's a pragmatic scientist. He got it. He studied geology at MIT and my mom is from Cuba and she's a classically trained pianist who's more emotional. So there's a mixture that I have there of the two that are kind of pulling, pushing and pulling within me. So I understand yeah. sometimes like I might not respond to something that it depends. Like I, I try to be objective about stuff. And during the pandemic, I've, you know, I know my girlfriend and other people haven't been happy about a lot of things. I'm trying to be not freaking out too much, I guess, in a sense, because if I do that, it probably just makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but then it's hit me later on and she made me feel the same way like you can get hit with emotions when people aren't around and you're like oh you suddenly feel a little overwhelmed by something and maybe you're not expressing it publicly i don't know if that makes sense it does not, no it, it's it feels to me often like that 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 last straw something will happen and it'll be a relatively minor thing but that's enough to tip you over the edge it, when i was younger i was never able to 
it felt as if I was never able to, emotions would build and build and build, but it would never go back. It wouldn't, it, it wasn't mm. like that. It would just, okay. And then it would come a point, it would go, poof, I'd go absolutely mad about nothing, you know, some trivial little thing, seemed like a massive overreaction to everybody, but it was all of it, all of it come out then. And then I would be empty again. And it would start to fill up and fill up, fill up. And I could see other people get angry and it would go back. Yeah, well we kind of catalog it we wait and then the damn it builds up and then the damn bursts yeah 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 i mean your emotion and your ideas come out in the music mm-hmm. you've obviously found the right partner who understands you very clearly oh god yeah you've been together a long time i know she was a fan beforehand yeah. but that it she clearly understands who you are and I'm assuming yeah. by now your kids do <laughs> for all your moods and quirky artist sensibilities yeah well we're up you know we, i've been together with Gemma now for nearly 30 years. So yeah. Yeah. But you're right from the beginning. She was, she was fantastic for me and she understood me and she was able to, I was a very difficult person when we met, you know, yet she had the patience and Mm. perseverance to deal with that and then try to make me understand why I was like that. And so get better and identify the things that I did that were, yeah, yeah difficult or unpleasant a lot of the my dealing with the asperger side of me is thanks to her because she was she helped me identify when i was being asperger's you know and i think if you got you know if you're sort of reasonably bright you can you can identify certain behaviors which might be inappropriate and you can modify them you can adapt and it might not be a natural thing it might be a mechanical kind of solution sure. but it works you know um I have a thing with eye contact, you know, eye contact is a real issue. And so I, I count all the time I'm speaking to people face to face. Yeah. I'm counting, you know, and I don't look anyone in the eye for more than five seconds because that would be too intense. And I don't look at anybody for less than three because that would imply I'm not interested in what they're saying. It's just my system anyway. So the whole time I'm talking to somebody, I'm counting, you know, so I actually find conversation quite um, stressful, tiring, because I'm doing some math the whole time. <laughs> One, two, I, three. And in my head, I'm talking, I'm counting at the same time. I'll, I'll look away and I'll come back again. So, And it's all artificial because I don't know how to be, for real. Well, you know, I, I'm one of those people that talks and they look off and I'm talking and they look back at the person. I kind of look around a lot. As soon as I catch myself, like, am I doing that too much? You know, because <laughs> there's some people that are like that that will look directly. Everyone has it in. I've thought about this as I get older now. I just think about, how, you know, body language, like you can sit there with your arms crossed. And for a lot of people, that means you're bored or you're unhappy. And sometimes it's me. I'm just resting my arms. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm, it's like, it's weird. Like there's basic cues that, you know, that people are going to interpret in a certain way. And then there's sometimes you do have to learn with certain friends. Well, that's just the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. But I know it. And, and I, I part of the reason I love this job is they don't have to meet a lot of you guys, you know, just randomly on the street, you know, because <laughs> I'm sure you're tired of me, Gary Noman. Hey, you know, like it, it's it. And sometimes I understand how that's strange for people, you know, I mean, if they get approached a lot, I'm glad I've had a chance to interface this way. And if I do meet somebody in person, I'm like, Hey, you know, we had this chat or whatever. Right. Now do you have any, do you have any travel tips for people? Like good travel tips for people who maybe are newer travelers, if they're going to make the most, the Newman way, how do you enjoy the most (laughs) of your vacation? (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm really, really pedantic about documentation. I have everything printed out in the order that I'm going to need it. Ah, interesting. And have a 
I have a file and, and everything I'm going to need, you know, from flight tickets to car hire, right. um, hotels, all of that, all in the order that it's, I expect it to be requested so that I don't panic. I'm a terrible panicker when I'm faced with authority and I mm. get really intimidated really, really quickly by a, an immigration officer or something like that. I'm really, really like a little boy, nervous little boy. And so I like to have everything ready, everything in order. Yeah. So yeah, that's that would be my tip. Get yourself get yourself in order. Don't bumble up to the immigration man. It's not fumbling in your bag, you know, oh I've got it here somewhere, you know. Don't do that. Oh, especially yeah. when you're going to Cuba. I went there four years ago on a on a fast yeah. and furious eight junket. <laughs> and like my mom's from there, so I got to sort of see well, I got to see post communism as opposed to when she was there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're walking in this room and half every other fluorescent light is out in the waiting area. And then you get there and I brought a camera. I had no problem. Another guy that I knew that was in the media, he was got all his stuff searched. I think, I think we saw sort of a, a confrontation with the tourists and police out there. And then of course you get tossed in jail for the night. You know, you can't get annoyed by that. You're in a communist country. So avoid doing anything that will get you in trouble. I mean, unless somebody starts a fight with you, just, you know, be cool. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, different countries. And I'm sure you know this. I imagine you've been in the Middle East and you, know, you have to different countries. You have to behave differently. You have to understand what the culture is and respect the customs. Yeah. Just a little bit of research when you get there, especially if you're going sort of somewhere a little bit out of the norm. If you're not going to main Europe, you know, place like that, just, you know, just do a little bit of research. Find out what's acceptable. There are some countries, you know, where showing the soles of your feet is deeply insulting. Where? Well, you, I can't remember now. <laughs> I have to research it again. <laughs> but, you know, stuff like that, you, you need to know that. You, know, you could really, really get into trouble. Isn't it interesting how, like, we can do all these things and then you forget. You forget, like, oh, yeah, I did this. Like, as, as I've gone on, I've been doing this 26 years now. And I'm thinking, wow, I forgot I interviewed this person. Like, how could I do that? And you've probably had so many experiences when you're writing your book. You're like, oh, yeah, I did that. And it's, it's yeah. amazing. And that, at least it means you're living a full life. Yeah, for, well, since for, since I finished the book, and the the book's forty five chapters long, you know, it's massive. There's a lot of detail in there, uh, and all I've done since I since I wrote it is is just keep adding, remembering things I forgot to put in it. I've got a massive list on my phone now for when the paperback comes out. I've got to write wow. loads more sort of anecdotes about, and some of them are sort of pretty major major things that I just totally totally forgot. And every day, every day I'm thinking, oh, I should have written about that, you know. So yeah, so far been an amazing life that's cool you know not all great but all worthwhile and i've still got you know plenty of time left hopefully to add a bit more to it yes that's the attitude <laughs> well listen it was great to chat with you oh thank you man Andrew. well good luck hopefully this new album will do just as well as the last one. Oh, i hope so regardless i'm enjoying it you know thank you good thank you hopefully we'll chat again sometime hope so see you again thank you sir see you later on bye-bye bye-bye bye that wraps up the latest side jams please join me for the next episode which will feature guitarist andy summers as always my theme music comes from fox and the law licensed through audio socket thank you very much for listening Liquid bleach, liquid bleach, Clorox makes clothes bright. But what about these cloudy wine glasses? Add glass cleaner to my cart. Adding Clorox disinfecting bleach to your cart. What? No, for glassware. 
Clorox can also make glassware sparkle, keep flowers fresh, and remove chocolate, wine, all your usual stains. Rude? Clean anything with the versatile Clorox disinfecting bleach. Discover more hacks at Clorox.com slash learn. As a new Western Union customer, you can enjoy a $0 transfer fee on your first international online money transfer. Send money to your loved ones back home the fast, easy, and reliable way. Visit westernunion.com or download their app today to get started. And your first transfer fee is free. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983 or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985, FX Gain Supply. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 